Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversation with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Oh, good morning, everybody. I hope you're having a fantastic day already. I just want to say one thing at the beginning of the show. Super Bowl 58 next Sunday. We are a week away. And there are a lot of prop bets, a lot of them. We'll get into the nuts and bolts of Debo Samuel's receiving yardage over under, but I love the off-the-wall props. There's a prop being discussed. Will Usher be wearing sunglasses at any point during his (laughs) halftime performance? If Usher is not wearing sunglasses during his halftime performance at any point, I quit betting. I am quitting. I'm walking away altogether. There's no chance this guy at some point is not wearing sunglasses, right? I See, you know what? You are luring us all down that path, Brian. I mean, this is this is how this is how gangs of people lose tons of money, right? Because you start a sentence, any sense, any sentence in the betting world with "there is no way that <laughs> dot dot dot," and then all of a sudden everybody goes, "You know what? Bino's got a good point here." I mean, Usher and sunglasses really do seem synonymous, yes. but who who knows? I mean, Usher, how old is he? Is he fifty? I don't know. I I'm losing track of time he's myself. He's got to be in his forties. So the funny thing about Usher, he's actually kind of like the king of Vegas right now. He just did. I think it's like a six-month residency in Vegas. So there's a lot of game film on Usher if you want to go watch how he's performed (laughs) in Vegas over the last few months. Go check out some of those, right? Like I remember a few years ago, people are always trying to get, get to the stadium for the national anthem um, you know, not the, the tryouts, but like the sound tests that they have to try to time to see how long the uh, you know the uh, just the, the basic practice runs go, so they could figure out if they want to bet over or under. Because that's another. I, I think the two most popular weird props that people bet on are the national anthem, the time of it, mm-hmm. and the coin toss. The coin toss, mm-hmm. you would think people knew. That it was like a double-sided coin. That is how many people bet on the coin toss every year. It is insane. And the I love seeing, like, when I'm in a sports book for the Super Bowl, it doesn't happen often, but if I am, the eruption 
for when when they toss the coin. Like it's like someone already won the game. It really is wild. The props and just the the crazy stuff people bet on for these games. Yeah, it reminds me of what was it? Super Bowl forty eight. Right where it was the Seahawks and the Broncos, it was at MetLife Stadium. Oh yeah, right there in New Jersey, it was going to be cold, and the Chili Peppers were performing along with Bruno Mars. And there was a prop bet: Will the Chili Peppers be shirtless? And I'm like, they're the Chili Peppers. Yeah, I don't right. care what the temperature is; <laughs> they're going to be shirtless. That's how I think of Usher. He's got to be rocking shades at some point. He's just He's 45, by the way. Okay, okay. So yeah, the reason why I brought up his age earlier is because. You know, what happens if, you know, I don't know, 45 years old, he has an appointment with his ophthalmologist or his optometrist, you know, somebody who's taking care of Usher's eyes goes, hey, look, you know, buddy, I know, I know you, you, you love wearing the shades, but you remember back in 2006, that pyrotechnics situation where the bright lights, you know, you know, we got to stay away from the sunglasses because that changed your vision. And I don't want you tripping on stage. And Usher goes, yeah, doc, I got you. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, you know, we lose because Brian O said there is no way that (laughs) dot, dot, dot. Yeah, Yeah. it's one of those. I wonder how many times these performers get a a wrong proposition. You know, how many times does the eye doctor say, hey, you know, Usher, I can make a boatload of cash if you don't rock shades at all. You know, like, (laughs) how many times that happens. So we've got Chiefs and 49ers. We'll definitely be talking about that throughout the show today. But a little step backward, right? We look back to how did we get here? And you had both the Ravens and the Lions turn in very disappointing performances during Championship Sunday last week. So my question is, who had the more disappointing performance? I think initially your gut reaction is like, oh, Lions by miles. And I would side with the Lions being more disappointing. The second half was a clinic of what not to do. Fourth down decisions, not converting, calling a timeout with a minute to go. It it was just absolutely brutal. You kick away a 17-point lead. So it's the Lions, but you ever see in your – your mirror where it says objects are closer than they appear, right? When you look at the side mirrors of your car, that's what I feel like between the Ravens and the Lions, who was more disappointing. The Ravens, how many immature mistakes and penalties from Lamar Gronk spiking his helmet to an interception thrown into triple coverage, the Zay Flowers fumble to hitting Mahomes in the head. And it was just one thing after another. And they didn't run the ball. Right. They didn't dance with who brung them. They're number one rushing team and they didn't run it. It was crazy. So I think the Lions were more disappointing but the Ravens' performance, it wasn't far behind. Yeah, well, the Ravens, to me, it, it takes the cake, man, for all the reasons you just gave. And I think it's it's just more, what's the word I'm looking for? More egregious, the errors that the Ravens made as opposed to the Lions. I think the reason why the Lions appears to be the most disastrous because they had everything they wanted, a first-half lead, Um, They took the crowd out of that game, and then they gave it all away, and for a variety of reasons, but frankly, less egregious reasons than the Ravens lost that game to the Chiefs. The Ravens probably should have won that game because they were a better team than the Chiefs all season long. I mean, the Ravens 
They went, I mean, they went to San Francisco. If, if you feel great about San Francisco, the 49ers win the Super Bowl, um, well, the Ravens beat the brakes off of them in prime time with all their starters out there, not just weeks ago. You know, so, I mean, the Ravens are a really, really talented football team, and they completely abandoned the run game. Todd Munkin, for all of the nice things everybody had to say for him oh. about him as an offensive coordinator throughout this season, he had weeks of time to prepare for this game, you know, because you're not looking past any opponent, but let's face it, fellas, week 18 of the season where they rested all the starters, he was working on the NFC championship or excuse me, the AFC championship game plan, regardless of who they faced and, and what should have been drawn up, what he should have been spending time on were situational plays that would have worked against anybody or most people, most teams. And what we saw was a complete abandonment of what got them to the AFC Championship game. Gus Edwards, at no point in the season, had ever rushed for less than five carries. He had three during that game. Lamar Jackson barely ran the football on planned runs. In fact, one of the only times he did, they it was a fourth and one on their own side of the field early in the game, and they racked off 20-something yards. Like, why would they get away from what got them to that point in the first place? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think we, we're still waiting on an answer from, from Todd Munkin. It, it seems like... It, it, it almost seems – well, it could be two things. And I, I think of, of the two games, definitely disappointment with the Lions, but kind of bewilderment with the Ravens. Like, if you're a Ravens – like, if you're a Lions fan, and I talked to – I have a lot of friends from Michigan. I used to work in Michigan. They were very angry and very upset the next day. The Ravens, it was like, what happened? Like, what did we do? Like, what, what team was this – it was almost like a different team, like a Monstars, you know, is, is body snatched them heading into that game. More so body or brain snatched Todd Munkin. I, I don't know what the game plan was. I think, I think they maybe panicked a little bit because the Chiefs in the first half looked lights out. And then you give Mike McDonald a lot of credit. The Ravens made the adjustments defensively and the Chiefs didn't score in the second half. And even despite all of the penalties and the turnovers, and they were a minus three turnover margin. They were 95 penalty yards. They were basically a minus 60 in net penalty yards. I just, I don't know, you know, third down conversion, 27%. Like, like they did nothing up to their standard in that game. Whereas the Lions... Yeah, you can make the case a couple of decisions for Dan Campbell maybe went awry. I think the worst, the most egregious of the decisions was the third down run call on the goal line. But I don't even know if that was Dan Campbell's fault. That might have been Ben Johnson and Goff should have checked out. I don't know the semantics of that. I thought the rest of the game for the Lions played out pretty well. You know, that play, a couple of drops by Josh Reynolds and the and the Gibbs fumble. I mean, you know, those are the two or three plays that you'll go back and scratch your head. But for the Ravens, it was like the whole game. They just abandoned the run, penalties, turnovers. So I, I think the Ravens, in terms of the fan base and the expectations, probably a little more disappointed this week. Certainly the expectations, right? They were a number one seed. They were expected by many to win the game. I go back to the Lions, though, where two things stick out with me. Where who wakes up in a cold sweat more <laughs> often in the offseason? You know, I think it's the Lions for two reasons. One, the first fourth down in the third quarter, midway through, if you kick it, you go up by 17 again. And you're probably wrestling with the thought of, 
if we kick that field goal, we might be getting ready for the Super Bowl right now. It's not a stretch to say that, at least to wonder that. And the other thing that's going to mess with you more is kicking away a huge lead. The Ravens, yeah, it's going to bother you. You didn't run the ball, that you, you know, headbutted Travis Kelsey in the head like <laughs> Kyle Van Noy did. And there's so many things that they did wrong in that game that's going to mess with them. But the Lions had a 17 point lead. The Ravens never had the lead. You know, so to have a 17 point lead and to really question the way that you manage the game in the second half and some of the miscues, Josh Reynolds with the drops plural, right, and Jameer Gibbs with the fumble, I think it's going to mess with you more, and you're going to wake up in a cold sweat more often if you're the Lions. But it's an interesting discussion. Who was more disappointing? They both were. I give the edge to Detroit, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I understand that because emotionally, I would too. I would give it to them because of the lead in the first half, because of the decisions, how consequential the decision making was in moments like that's when it's really difficult to swallow that pill of wow yeah we are home instead of being in uh in preparation for super bowl 58 but it was more of a i don't even know what to say it's like it's almost like instead of showing up to the test well prepared and and walking away with some level of confidence after after a break and coming back and realizing oh my gosh you know I, I, I wasn't I wasn't prepared for these questions though. These questions to come up in the second half. It was it was almost like the Ravens didn't study at all. Like it's like yeah. you knew what was ahead of you. You 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 had the answer key, as a matter of fact. Like like it was right there for you. And you just decided to wing it. And it's like, why? And so I, I understand from from your standpoint, I'm kind of changing my mind. It's probably more disappointing given all the historical aspects you throw into it when you talk about the Lions. But sure. it but it is way more confounding that the Ravens lost in the way they did. Yeah, I, I think that, that field goal decision you mentioned, Brian, I think there was two of them, actually. There was one in the first half, right? Fourth and goal at the three for the Lions. Mm-hmm. It was uh, 21-7 at the time. They kicked the field goal to go up 24-7. I was okay with that decision. I really was. Um, and then fourth and two, this is in the third quarter, fourth and two from the 28, they went for it instead of kicking the field goal to go up 27-10. That was the Josh Reynolds drop. That I, I That one should have probably been a kick, and here's why. At the time of the first half when they went for it, um, or excuse me, when they kicked the field goal, they were already up in the game and they were in the first half. You could make the case that, all right, you're still kind of the underdog in that role. In the third quarter, mid late third quarter to go up three scores to not kick that field goal at the time, I thought you were playing like you were behind kind of. Yeah. And at that point, you're the favorite in the game. So, Going into the game, you know, Campbell variants, you know, you want to try to throw as many monkey wrenches into the game script as possible because you're a seven-point underdog. In the third quarter, almost late third quarter, when you're up two scores, you kick to go up three scores, you are the favorite in that spot. You don't want any more variants. You just want things to go normally. And I thought at that point, Dan Campbell needed to maybe change his approach a little bit to say, hey, listen, we're... We're in the driver's seat now. Let's not be the gambler that we usually are, right? Hitting on 18. And I thought that that was the one that was the most questionable. Um, and then obviously the the one that was the really egregious one was the third and third and goal um, when they needed that timeout and they ran it. Like there needs to be someone in their ear saying, you cannot run it here under any circumstance. You have to throw it. I'll tell you why later. 
Um, but they ran it, and they had to call the timeout, and, and that was effectively the end of the game because your, your chances of recovering on like kick today are just basically minimal. So, yeah, I, I, I think Lions fan Chris Perfett, our, our, our audio technician, <laughs> you know, I, I can't imagine. I, uh, I had a lot of Lions man. fans talk to me, and they were just so angry. Right? There's a lot of anger, but now I think when you think about it, all right, it was a good year. Let's let's focus. And Ben Johnson's coming back. And he's coming yeah. back. Yeah, Silver back. There we go. He's back. We're keeping the band together. Uh, super fast. I agree with you, Jared, and it's interesting. It almost reminds me of a college football game hmm. where sometimes a team that is the lesser team, yeah. they have a chance to go for two and win the game, and they're like, let's do it. It's only a couple of yards. We can win the game right now. And then there are other teams where they have the advantages, and they go for two, and I'm like, you're putting a lot on the line. Yeah. Instead of going like a, overtime. Like a favorite, like, like a 10-point yeah. favorite instead of just going to overtime. You should win if you go to overtime as a 10-point favorite. Yeah. I get it that with a lead, you still need to be aggressive. I thought that was overly aggressive because midway through the third, you kick a field goal, you go up by 17. Yeah. I don't think you need to gamble that big in that moment to try to gain the first down and, and score a touchdown. Agreed. I, yeah, that's a rough one, man. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> Sorry for the <this laughs> segment, man. Hey, BetMGM has all the action for every sports fan. Whether you love to wager on game-winning touchdowns, home runs, buzzer beaters, or overtime goals, there's never been a better time to sign up. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through the BetMGM app of at least $5, and you'll receive $158 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. That's right. Once you've placed a $5 bet, you'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of the wager. Download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com and use code COUNTDOWN. We are off and freaking running. We've got Rich Ornberger, or should we say Rich 3-0 and after wow. a sterling week. Just being correct, wow. correct, correct. Thank you. Sensational. We've got Jared Smith FSR betting analyst, I'm Brian No. Coming up next, it's often taken as a criticism, but it's actually a huge compliment. We'll explain. It's Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Polly Fusco here with Tony Fusco. Yo. You know, as the host of the number one rated Polly and Tony Fusco show, we get tons and tons of fan mail every day. Piles of it. In fact, Tony, why don't you open up one of those letters right now and read what's inside? Yeah, listen to this. Dear Polly and Tony, your sports takes are the dumbest and most well, terrible. Well, wait, not that wait, one. Wait, Open this other one. Dear Polly and Tony, you suck more than anyone. No, not that wait, one. Wait. Try this one. Dear Polly and Tony, you guys are the absolute best. There you go. At Coming up with the stupidest takes you know what, possible. Just you know what? Forget say. this. Just listen to the Paulie and Tony Fusco show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff. Presented by BetMGM. Earn a $100 bonus by signing into BetMGM and clicking on Refer a Friend to Invite a Friend. And in just a few simple steps, both you and your friend will receive a $100 bonus. BetMGM is offering some of the best odds in the market. On first touchdown props, BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, the king of parlays. Okay, so it's often taken as a criticism. It's actually a huge compliment. To say the Super Bowl teams, the Chiefs and the Niners, they just have made fewer mistakes than their opponents in the playoffs. And there are a lot of fans that will be like, what What? What do you mean? They take offense to this where they want their team to be the more dominant team. They just punked the other squad and either ran it down their throats or the other team had no answer for their squad. And a lot of times in the playoffs – it's the team that commits fewer mistakes, and that's what's happened steadily throughout the playoffs. You think about both these teams, the Chiefs and the Niners have made a lot of mistakes. You go back to that first game against the Dolphins for the Chiefs, they had a, a block in the back penalty that negated a touchdown. Mahomes had a wide open McCall Hardman. They didn't link up for an easy touchdown. Like There have been mistakes throughout. Think about the Niners. Uh, Purdy had a first-half interception. They're down by 17 points, right? The Purdy passer rating was in the 30s in the first half of that game. And I I know that the Purdy police are going to come after me by even mentioning that, right? But Purdy they've made fewer mistakes, and that's a huge compliment. Often games are decided by the team who makes fewer mistakes than it is the team that makes more huge plays. And so it's actually hats off to the Chiefs and the Niners for not self-destructing like the Ravens and the Lions did. That's a big part of who advances here. It's really observant, and anybody who's played football at any level, but especially at the NFL level, knows how difficult what you just described is. And I agree with you. It's something that is lost on a lot of fans. Like that aspect of football that that discipline to put it in a word is one of the hardest things to train into a whole football team and it's hard to make decisions that help you to to increase the level of your overall discipline like think about the chiefs think about the chiefs what was one of the main storylines after that afc championship game Kadarius tony was so so upset that the chiefs basically benched him not because of a hip injury not because of personal matters but because they can't trust him because he's too undisciplined even though he's an absurd talent when he gets the ball in his hands I mean he does special things 
But if you can't trust a guy to be disciplined, you can't play. You can't win. And so that's a hard decision for an offensive coordinator or a head coach to make. Whoever uh, uh, had last say on that, whoever was given last say on that, I promise you they hemmed and hawed over it because the amount of talent you're giving up on to have a higher discipline quotient, to have that player not play in the AFC Championship game, difficult decision. But I credit the Chiefs because exactly what you said came true. They they just made fewer mistakes than the Ravens, and the same could be said about the San Francisco 49ers, and this is team-wide. It is so hard to be a phenomenal player and not want to try to make the play that's going to win you the football game because many times when you're going out there and you're trying to win the football te- game for your team, you lose it for them because you throw an interception or you try to do more than your job requires, and then you get nothing done as a result. You know, you're a defensive end and you're trying to make a play, but the the blitz scheme calls for you to go into the B-gap and you freelance it, and all of a sudden you have a giant run lane and the quarterback rushes and it's a first down and it kills the drive, and then, you know, you're, you're to blame. You know, it's really difficult to get guys to pay attention to their rules, 100% of the time, not to freelance, not to try to put more pressure on themselves in any one moment so that the overall net positive of that discipline is a victory. It's really difficult to do. The best coaches do it. Kyle Shanahan deserves a tremendous amount of credit. Andy Reid's been doing it for years. The Chiefs deserve a tremendous amount of credit because it takes strong leadership and it takes a lot of people in leadership roles on the actual team to buy in, and that's what you've seen with the 49ers and the Chiefs. Yeah, over the last decade, if you win the turnover battle in the playoffs, you win the game 75% of the time. I mean, it, 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 I can't make it any clearer cut than that. Like, if you, in translation, if you make fewer mistakes in the playoffs, you'll win three out of four games. That, that's it. And I, I think when you look at what those two games were on Sunday, you had two road underdogs. One of them played perfect football. The other one didn't. One of them won. One of them's going to the Super Bowl. The other one isn't. And that's what it takes to win on the road in the NFL. That's what it takes to win as an underdog in the NFL. You have to play mistake-free football. And you look at Mahomes' numbers from Sunday's game. The basic counting stats. They certainly don't jump off the page, right? 241 yards. One touchdown. No picks. No points in the second half either. 6.2 yards per attempt. That's well below any average NFL quarterback. But then you look at some of the underlying metrics, right? The advanced analytics that I just love. Completion percentage over expected. One of the highest in NFL history in a playoff game. 14%. What that tells me, the game plan was the Ravens are going to take away the deep ball. They're going to see how patient you are, Patrick. Do you have the ability as a road underdog in a championship game to take the play that we are giving you and not try to be the hero? And what did Patrick Mahomes do? He didn't try to be the hero. He made every play that the Ravens gave him. Whereas the Lions didn't make every play, right? Like, and I don't want to go back to why they lost and why the Chiefs won. But you want to talk about mistakes, executing the game plan the way it's supposed to be executed instead of freelancing and doing all this other crazy stuff that and Mahomes is great at doing that they didn't do it as much in this game because they didn't need to the game plan didn't call for it 
Maybe it'll call for it in the Super Bowl. Hey, Patrick, I need you to go be a hero, bud. We're losing. They were ahead. They had the lead. Short, quick passing game. Don't turn it over. Don't make mistakes. We're going to the Super Bowl. That's how you win in the NFL. It is a team sport. The Chiefs are the ultimate team right now with the ultimate player at the most important position. Very, very tough to beat in those scenarios. You know, you mentioned, Jared, freelancing, check. Doing crazy stuff, check. Yet also somehow sticking to the script, check. (laughs) All three are main man Isaac Lowenkron, who's a bit of a maverick, but can yet stick to the script. It is amazing. Let it wash over you again right now. It's quite a tightrope that I have to (laughs) walk oftentimes. Lights on, lights off. You know what I'm saying, Rich? Yeah, I mean, in the dark or in the light, he's going to be our guiding principle here. Yeah, (laughs) just true. Just look for that North Star, which is uh, good advice if you're a teammate of Denver's Nikola Jokic because last night at their 120-108 win over the Portland Trailblazers, all he did, 27 points, 22 rebounds, 12 assists for his 15th triple-double of the season. The Orleans Pelicans won at San Antonio one. 14 to 113. Zion Williamson scored 33, including the game-winning layup with 3.8 to go. Shea Gilgis Alexander of the Oklahoma City Thunder, 31 points in their 126-106 win over Charlotte, is ninth straight 30-point game. Gilgis Alexander also had nine assists, five steals, and three blocks for the Thunder, which has won seven of nine. The Orlando Magic rallied from a 17-point second-quarter deficit to win at Minnesota, 108-106. Atlanta over Phoenix, 129-120. Trey Young, 32 points, 7 three-pointers, 15 assists. And the Sacramento Kings won at Indiana, 133-122. DeMontis Sabonis, 26 points and 12 rebounds for his 30th consecutive double-double, breaking the Kings' franchise record previously held by Oscar Robertson. Not bad. Fellas, back to you. Thank you, Ilo. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Shortly after the show, our podcast will be going up. If you miss anything on today's show, be sure to check it out. Just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to also follow, rate, and review it. Again, just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll see the show posted right after we get off the air. How about the coaching carousel? Mm. So you've got the final two vacancies as far as head coaches go in the NFL. You've got Mike McDonald going to the Seahawks. You've got Dan Quinn going to Washington, both defensive coordinators. Right where you get in this day and age of like, oh, it's it's got to be offense, offense, offense. I think those are two solid hires. And the other thing that stands out to me, Bill Belichick, quote unquote, had support from decision makers before Dan Quinn got the job in Washington. Washington spoke with Belichick. It was reported that team owner Josh Harris was enamored with the idea of Belichick coaching the Commanders. Yet. Belichick is on the outside looking in. It reminds me of The Bachelor, right? <laughs> Where if the, the Bachelor says, oh, you're a great catch, you'd make an amazing partner. But at the end of the day, there's no rose for that girl. Like, that's Belichick. <laughs> it's all that, oh, they were enamored with this guy. Oh, we love the idea. And at the end of the day, it's Dan Quinn. It's Raheem Morris, right? Like, that's what it is. Bill Belichick is the bachelor that never got a rose. Yeah, and and that's actually a really great way to describe it because 
I, look, I, I, I don't want to compare this all the way to dating life, but there's a lot of people out there who, when they're dating, they hedge their bets. You know, because you're thrown in with one guy or one gal, it doesn't mean that that relationship's going to last forever. So all those potential suitors out there, you want to make sure things end amicably. This way, just in case you find out six months in, turns out he had a secret family the whole time, and now I'm single again. Hey, what was that... What was that other guy's name? Was it Bill, Billy, Billy Belichick? Well, maybe I ought to give him a call. Right? You know, so that's what I think the Washington Commanders did. I think they hired the guy they wanted to hire. I do think that they had other conversations with many other coaches, but specifically the one who's arguably, inarguably, the most talented and successful coach who got left out of this year's hiring cycle, who may have interest in coaching in Washington, especially because he's a history buff on the NFL. And Washington is is obviously one of those historic franchises that he's cared about and and documented. And, you know, his dad was a, I'm talking about Belichick now, his dad was a historian of the league as well. You know, so wouldn't it be cool if dot 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 Bill Belichick works for the Washington Commanders? I mean, I think I think it was probably a draw for him. So if you're smart, you know, and and you're Josh Harris, you're not going to say like, yeah, look, you know, we really we 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 determined that Dan Quinn was just he was the best for our organization, and you know, you're going to say nice glowing things about Belichick, and it's because what happens if this is a Frank Reich situation? What happens if Dan Quinn comes in and it is so obviously and immediately apparent to you, oh, this isn't a fit. I want to go in a different direction. And by the way, whether or not that's the right decision or not, and it's a midseason firing, and all of a sudden you have an opportunity to rekindle whatever conversations you had with Bill Belichick during the offseason. I made a mistake. We hired the wrong guy. We really liked you a lot. Would you be willing to consider it? And then come the offseason, maybe he is your hire. So I think that's the reason why that was messaged the way it was from the commanders to Belichick. Yeah, I was looking at some research. I just I, The whole time I was just trying to picture Belichick on the Golden Bachelor <laughs> getting yeah. a rose. Right. That's like you've, you've planted that seed in my head, Brian. I don't know if that's going anywhere for a while. Um, I, I think McDonald's, the, like if I had to pick one of the coaching hires that I thought was the best fit in terms of upside, in terms of where the team currently is, and if they can win now with this new coach, I think it's Mike McDonald. I, I think if you look at what he did to the best running schemes in the NFC West when the Ravens faced the Rams and uh, when they faced the Niners, right? Uh, that was a pretty good performance against those uh, those tough those tough NFC West rushing def- uh, rushing offenses for Mike McDonald's defense. Um, and the Rams moved it a little bit, but Stafford was like out of his mind that day. Um, but for the most part, I think McDonald's scheme holds up pretty well against the McVay and the Shanahan offenses. And I think that makes him a very good fit for Seattle. I think you can make a case that Antonio Pierce was kind of like a a changing of the guard hire. It was the first time I can recall where like the players basically say, hey, listen, if you don't hire Antonio Pierce, we're going to riot. Um, we're going to we're going to strike. And, and, and they ended up hiring a guy that I, I thought, considering the circumstances here in town, 
kind of captured the hearts and minds of of the fan base and and obviously the the players for for them to st- uh, stump so hard for him in the offseason. The the Washington situation was interesting, right? Like it was obvious they wanted Ben Johnson like more than anyone. And I think the Lions just ponied up a little extra dough. And I think in the end, Ben Johnson is a little bit more comfortable, maybe at this stage of his career, being the number two. Maybe he wasn't ready quite for that role. And frankly, the situation in Washington, guys, it's not great. You know, and, and I know that on paper it looks good. They've got a lot of assets, they've got a lot of draft picks, and they've got capital. But they've got a new GM, a new owner, a fan base that's just like still coming out from the the the, the Dan Snyder dregs. It's going to take a few years, I think, for Washington to figure it out, whereas the Lions are ready to win right now. So I thought Ben Johnson's decision was smart. We'll see what happens with Belichick. I have no idea if this guy's going to be. He'll probably get another shot at some point. But you're going to have to give up all the money and all the power to get this guy in your system. And I just don't know if there's a lot of owners right now that are willing to take that risk. I might shock you here. I think Washington is the best job opening in this current That is a little so, shocking. Yeah, I, I would put that at the top of the list. And you know what I would compare it to? I would compare it to the Houston Texans. You get the second overall pick. It's not the easiest thing to find the next C.J. Stroud. But we were looking at the Texans like, oh, gosh, like how long is it going to take for them? And boom, presto, they were a double-digit win team, Fair. won a playoff game. If you get either Caleb Williams or Drake May, which Washington will get, and if that is the real deal, which both of those guys could be, I think you have a, a quick turnaround there, and all of a sudden – you're looking at that roster a lot differently. You know, we look at that roster when it's been navigated by Sam Howell. (laughs) You know, it's a lot different if you've got a a true difference maker in there. It's like going from Davis Mills to C.J. Stroud, you know, and poof, you're off and running Uh, real fast. I don't know why Belichick isn't willing to give up more control. This is the time in his coaching career to do that. And this was a stat that blew me away. Pete Carroll is 72 years old. Bill Belichick is 71 years old. Their replacements, Mike McDonald and Gerard Mayo, they are combined Half. 73 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Both guys are almost the same age as who they were. That's why Belichick's not willing to give up power. When you get to that age, Brian, you don't like changing your ways. You like going to the same diner every day, ordering the same omelet every day. Yeah, man, I hear you. I hear you on that. We've got Rich Ornberger. Penn State All-American, Jared Smith, FSR betting analyst. I'm Brian No. coming up next. The parlay platter. Now, I've got some bad news. There's no football today. No. So I'm I'm guessing this might be a little bit of college basketball. No, no. I gotta. I'm oh, gonna no. do a Super Bowl one for you. You just. Oh wait. really? Okay. Oh, check your email, bud. You just wait. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Is this like a nine legger like last? No, week? it's actually it's it's a big payout, but you'll see. Can't wait. I, a little tease. I hope you added tease. Usher wearing sunglasses. <laughs> uh, that's coming up right around the corner. It is Fox Sports Radio's countdown to kickoff, presented by BetMGM. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you earn BetMGM rewards points that can be redeemed for things like free bets and risk-free tokens. They can also be converted to MGM rewards points that can be used towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM resorts. And customers will have the chance to win a big game Las Vegas experience. Prizes include a three-night stay during Super Bowl weekend at a select MGM property, along with other prizes like entry to the BetMGM party and food and beverage credits. All right, let's do this. Check this out. Parlay platter. 
Okay, Jared Smith, you've been in the lab. What have you cooked up for us here? Well, we have a story. So five years ago was my first season covering uh, the NFL from a gambling perspective. I was working for a network and we were doing shows and cooking up stuff, kind of like we do here, but obviously at a much different scale. And the first Super Bowl I covered was the Chiefs and the Niners. And I didn't know what I was doing back then. I still don't know what I'm doing now, but a little bit more of a handle on things. And one of the parlays that I concocted in that game was a touchdown parlay. It was Patrick Mahomes to score a rushing touchdown or anytime touchdown. It was Kyle Juszczyk to score an anytime touchdown. And I remember hitting that parlay live on the air and thinking, man, it doesn't get any better than this. This is the peak of, uh, of, of, of media when you win money live on TV, right? So we're going to run it back this year, and we're going to try um, to capture that magic again. Um, this is a absurdly big payout, 50-1 um, to 1 on this parlay. So don't put a whole lot on it. Don't go nuts. This is for fun. This is a exciting, big payout, small risk, big reward parlay. Patrick Mahomes, 4-1 to one to score a touchdown in the game. He hasn't scored a touchdown yet in the playoffs, and that is surprising. Usually he gets one at some point, especially now. This will be his fourth postseason game in the wild card round they had to play this year. Kyle Juszczyk hasn't scored a touchdown all year, but this is a guy that weirdly gets a lot of red zone looks and actually got the first touch of the game a couple weeks ago um, against the Packers. So I, I, I listen, have fun with this. I'll give you another parlay that's a little bit more correlated to what I normally do next week when we get to the week of the game. But I figured I'd share this fun story with you and uh, we'll try to run it back this year with a Kyle Juszczyk, Patrick Mahomes, anytime touchdown parlay. Arguably one of the best bets I've ever won in my life four years ago when these teams played in the Super Bowl. Oh, very wow. nice. Yeah. Yeah, when you said, what was it, 51 to 1? It's 50 to 1. 50 to 1. When it's a big pay. I thought it was going to be a whole lot of legs. Yeah. You got two legs. Just two. That's, that's it. it. Just two. I like this. I love it, actually. I think this is a fun bet because yeah. one, I mean, is so obvious. The other one is not so obvious to the point where Kyle Juszczyk in 2023 has not scored a touchdown this season. If he's I'm, getting one. He's okay. All right. He's getting one. He's getting you know one. What? Now he's been used. I, in fact, last game I think was his most, uh, maybe his yeah. most active game of the season yeah. with a couple receptions for over 30 yards. So we'll see. Yeah, that was nice over the middle. Yep, yep. The first one, and then the little toe drag swag. They on like the using him in weird spots. They and do. I think the key for the Super Bowl guys, don't worry about what the stats were in the regular season. They're meaningless. In fact, they're trying to go against the grain here because you've seen it on film all year. How can we change up off of that? Yeah. And there's some positive juju going with his wife. Hundred fashion design. It's all narratives, guys. Come on. Taylor Swift. Yeah. We're gonna bet Travis Kelsey next week too, guys. Don't worry. By the <laughs> way, there's maybe a that's a it's the Kelsey, you know, use Kelsey check, use check anytime yeah. T D prop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was a Super Bowl promo for the halftime show in studio here at Fox Sports Radio. Usher was wearing sunglasses the ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's happening. It's happening. coming up next. It's a prediction that might be the worst of all time. Oh, what is going on, everybody? We're counting down to Super Bowl 58 next Sunday. We got a lot of good stuff beyond the Super Bowl as well. You guys have heard some bad predictions in your lifetime. I make them every right? week. 
Yeah, well, there's that. Both you and I, Jared. How about that? We both decided to go 0 and 3 last week as goodness. Rich went 3 and 0 and completely threw the standings out of whack. Woo! You know, we got ourselves a tight race down the it stretch is. here. I am a prime candidate for mayonnaise in the cup. Uh oh, I am a. That, it's been. It was a bad week. It's been a, a bad last four weeks for yours truly. But anyway. It's a good segue. I, I've made some bad predictions lately. <laughs> this, which you're about to hear, trumps all of that. All of it. This was Jim Harbaugh, new Chargers head coach, on with Colin, Colin Cowherd. Check this out. I can ask you about J.J. McCarthy as a kid. How do you think he'll do? What, what does he bring to the table that maybe I can't see as a TV viewer? Uh, arm talent, athleticism, it factor, uh, winning with numbing repetition. Uh, don't be surprised when he, if, when he goes to, uh, he's the number one quarterback off the board. That's, that's my prediction right now. Uh, when people get a load of, of uh, JJ and what he, you know, how he can throw the ball, how he spins it, his athleticism, uh, his intelligence, uh, you know, talk about it factor, you know, he's got it, the competitiveness that he has. And, uh, and they get around him, and they really start digging in, and they start talking to him. Uh, yeah, that's, 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 uh, that's an early prediction for the 2024 NFL draft. Mm. That's a horrible prediction. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to be the first quarterback taken, right? Like, I think this is the first thing we have to understand. There's a big difference between uh, prospects and how it actually plays out. Right. Good example is Brock Purdy in the Super Bowl. Right. Brock Purdy was the last pick in the draft. He was not a great prospect, but he's turned out to be a much better player. J.J. McCarthy, heck, he might turn out to be a better player than some of the quarterbacks that are going to be chosen in front of him. Time will tell if that's the case or not, but he's not a better prospect. He's not going. There's no chance he goes above those other guys like Drake May. Caleb Williams, unless crazy Jim Harbaugh trades up to number one and takes <laughs> That's J.J. It. McCarthy. That's the only way it's happening. Yeah, he, he knows because he has it built into his contract <laughs> that he's allowed to use draft capital to get the number one overall pick. Oh, All right, well, check this out. Um, I think there's two things at play here, maybe even three. First and foremost, he, he is a Michigan man, as he put it, and I, I do believe that – there is a fealty and a loyalty to Michigan with Jim Harbaugh that's probably different from a lot of other alum. I think it matters to him. I think I think he thinks a lot of that school, what it's done for him in his life. And so it's almost like in saying that you're 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 sort of pledging allegiance to another Wolverine and building up the program because the higher J.J. McCarthy gets drafted, the better off Michi Michigan's going to be because, you know, that helps with recruiting and all that stuff. So there's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is, I mean, this is a guy who won a national championship with him. So he's showing loyalty, and and I think that's that's just from the standpoint of personality, you want that in all of your coaches. And then there's the other side of me that says, geez, you know, there's a lot of people around that program that knows where a lot of skeletons are buried. And maybe J.J. McCarthy is one of them. No, man. So I'm just saying, like, if you're going to leave a place, and and obviously that could have had an influence on a lot of people's decisions 
whether to stay or to go into the draft with uh, with Michigan Wolverine players. Um, and you did some things that maybe you don't want anybody who used to play with you to or, or play for you have some axes to grind against you. Uh, so you're just making sure to dot all of your I's and cross all your T's on your way out the door because – Let's put it this way. I don't know for sure if there was sign stealing that occurred that Michigan was responsible for, but I'll tell you what, there's a whole lot of smoke in that forest right now, and the NCAA is quote-unquote still investigating that scandal, so we'll see what results they come up with. But if I'm if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I've got nothing but nice things to say about anybody who I worked with inside of the Wolverine program. Wow. Rich went full conspiracy theory, right? Wow. I was not expecting that. That was a curveball. That is valid. And and when I so I tweeted out this clip yesterday, I said this is the worst football prediction of all time as to what Brian said. It, it, it is a terrible prediction. And the responses were very, oh, he's just, you know, pumping up his guy. And 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 I get that. And if that's the case, if if this whole thing was just a publicity stunt to make JJ McCarthy look a little bit better that's fine I don't know if that's how Harbaugh operates like I, I I like he I feel like he actually believes it like and if he does believe it I challenge you Jim put your money where your mouth is trade Justin Herbert to the Bears and draft JJ McCarthy one I mean I, hey listen why not if that's the if that's the if that's if he's that good that he's the number one pick take your quarterback that's by the way I you know pretty good I think Trade him to Chicago, get that number one pick back, and then you can take J.J. McCarthy, you two can live happily ever after. Yeah, that's that's not going to happen because the Bears are probably going to take Caleb Williams one because Caleb Williams is, from all intensive purposes, the best quarterback prospect in this class. You can make the case for Drake May. I think he's right there. Those guys are hands down one-two. After that, you can probably debate Jaden Daniels, his frame, and the toughness, maybe Penix and, and Knicks, maybe the all-around qualities. And you can make a lot of debates about the next three or four guys, and maybe J.J. McCarthy's in that category where he's above Penix or below Knicks or above this and that. To put him in the same breath as Caleb Williams and Drake May as prospects. Right is insane to me. It, it that is. is the part that I just, I really question Jim's judgment, unless he's just pumping up his dude. Uh, he's, well, he's a crazy person. He is a bit you know, out that's there. The thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing. He, he's almost like a college professor. And not all college professors are like this, but where there's some brilliance to them, but there's also this quirky sort of yeah. just randomness to him. That's Harbaugh. Like, he certainly is a successful coach, but he's also a crazy person, and I think that he actually <laughs> believes this. I think so, too. <laughs> There's some LeVar Ball to him, you know? Where yeah. Like, oh, I could totally yeah. beat Jordan one-on-one. -on -one. It's like, okay, LeVar, cool. <laughs> yeah. It's the Harbaugh. He's like, yeah, he's going to be number one. Don't be shocked. Sure. <laughs> it's like, look, man, J.J. McCarthy, he just doesn't stack up as a prospect. No. The playmaking ability with Caleb Williams, Drake May, the creativity – it's just on another level. And let's go back to this past season. The last note that you played matters. And we saw him not throw a pass in the entire second half yeah. against Penn State. You know, we saw them against Washington rush for over 300 yards, you know? So we saw them play and operate, and we know that J.J. McCarthy 
wasn't just leading them to the promised land. That goes into who's going to be selected number one overall. There's no chance JJ goes. So I think it's time we just have to laugh it off instead yeah. of taking a comment like this seriously because it just can't be taken seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. And and I say this every year this time of year as we get closer and closer to the NFL draft. We don't know and and nobody does. The best draft analysts, they're wrong constantly. Very true. The best general managers are wrong constantly. We missed everybody missed on Brock Purdy because I would have never assumed he would be playing in a Super Bowl, but here he is. And by the way, he's a big reason why the San Francisco 49ers are playing in the Super Bowl. And I'm not even just talking about the regular season alone. The fourth quarter against the Green Bay Packers, what he did, especially in that final drive, the second half uh, against the Detroit Lions was perfect football. I mean, it was it was outstanding, highly composed football. He really handled the situation well, even though he had a rough start. So that's going to happen this year, too. There's going to be a player or players that everybody missed the boat on, and then two, three years later, they're playing in a Super Bowl or they're a huge contributor on a great football team, and we go, whoa, that guy? And who knows? Maybe that guy is J.J. McCarthy. We don't know. But here's the thing. Jim Harbaugh doesn't know either because he he knows how this game goes. He yeah, knows he what knows this league works. looks like. So there's more to it. And, and again – I don't know how much of a conspiracy theory it is. I, I do think, though, that the way he left things in Michigan, it definitely can ruffle feathers because it, I'm not saying he used the program. You gave close to a decade of your life to a program or longer. How long was his stint at Michigan? Uh, was it, years, was right? it 10 on the nose? A decade yeah. probably, somewhere in that range. I don't know off the top of my head, but the guessing because he was at the Niners right at, you know, in the 2012 Super Bowl. So, But, but you know, very uh, very similar to Pete Carroll, you know. You, you go to a program, you completely rebuild your image, and it took some time because, remember, they could not beat Ohio State at first, and yeah. finally they started beating Ohio State, and finally they started getting into the postseason, and now they're a national champion, and then he ups and leaves? I mean, he finally got the program to the point where he had always hoped it would be, and then he leaves. So I think there's a little bit of protecting self-interest in some of what he's going to be saying about that program and about the players coming out of that program from now and forever. Because if I were Jim Harbaugh, if I were guilty of anything that he's being accused of over his time coaching in Michigan, I would be careful about saying anything negative about anybody coming. In fact, I would be overwhelmingly positive about everything coming out of that program. Here's how you do it. Here's how you re reassess that question. J.J., and he said this before, J.J.'s the best quarterback I have ever coached. The way he sees things, mm -hmm. the way he operates, any team that passes on him is going to be making a big mistake. What's wrong with that? Like, that is glowing recommendation, and you're not putting yourself out there to say he is going to be the first quarterback taken, which you're going to be wrong about. Right. And then they're going to come back and say that you're wrong, and then you're going to get asked about why you were so wrong. And, and then it's just – I guess maybe I – like I, I always put myself in the coach's shoes when they're being asked questions because, to be fair – I've never been in that situation before. I've never had a hundred microphones in my face, cameras on me, you know, everyone waiting with bated breath to find what my answer is. I understand why it can be a little bit awkward sometimes, but 
he's been doing this a really long time, and he had to know that this was going to make headlines. And I know us talking about it is just perpetuating the headline. And it's fair to say that J.J. McCarthy is going to be a great quarterback in the NFL. I put the comparison to Kirk Cousins or maybe a Russell Wilson. Those guys are third, fourth-round draft picks. They overachieved their number, and I think they're having success in the NFL, right? That's kind of how I view J.J. McCarthy. That's the, that's the upside. The downside is, is is very bad because physically doesn't have those tools that Caleb has or Drake May has or even a Jaden Daniels has with that electric speed that can just break a game open at any time. So I, I just think I think Jim knew exactly what he was doing and he was trying to stir the pot and he obviously stirred it. You know, I wonder how many times it is some mad genius stuff and how many times it's just blind luck. Yeah, I go back to remember when Phil Jackson was the head coach of the Lakers and he said in a postgame press conference, he was like, oh, yeah, Leon Powell or Poe. And everyone's like, the Zen master, he's sending a message. He doesn't even know how to pronounce the guy's name. And I think he just made a mistake. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. But I wonder how many times with Harbaugh to what you're saying, Jared, is he doing some e equals MC squared, you know, backflip arithmetic over here where it's him. like, you know what? This will get him off the trail of were we cheating? And let, I'll just say that J.J. McCarthy. That, that, that right. is an interesting point because we're not talking about the cheating now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I don't know. Or it could just be he's freaking crazy. And yeah, I think it, a little of that. Too. It randomly happened to, to go that way. This is a guy that doesn't eat chicken because he says it's a nervous bird. It's a nervous so bird. That's Here you go. He's got a closet full of khaki <laughs> pants because he was yeah. tired of making that decision. It was wasting brain bandwidth. Yep. Look, I uh, – I, I think he's a genius. I think Jim Harbaugh is a genius. I think he's gotten a lot out of players over the course of his career. And obviously he's he's parachuted into some real bad situations. Yeah. You know, you look at what he did with Stanford. Stanford was nobody going nowhere. And he yeah. turned that into sure. a power in the Pac twelve for a time. You know, you look at you look at the San Francisco 49ers, it was destitute, and he turned that program around, got them to a Super Bowl. So Jim Harbaugh has got a soft touch when it comes to renovating a fixer-upper, and he did the yeah. same thing with the Michigan Wolverines, who couldn't get over a very important hump in their schedule every single season, and then he won a national title. So the expectations for him are enormous because I, I do think – I don't think it's going beyond the pale – to say that this guy is a brilliant football coach. But with brilliance, as we know, there is a cost, and sometimes the cost is crazy. Right. And I think with the brilliance, we have a little bit of crazy he's with Jim both. Harbaugh. Yeah, he he's brilliant and crazy. I was We're making fun of him after they won the national championship. I was watching with a, a buddy of mine, and Harbaugh's like, oh, this, this confetti, each piece of this confetti – Tells a story. <laughs> uh, we're like Jim, what the hell are you Stay talking off about? The hallucinogenics. <laughs> yeah, there, so just confetti. Save them for save them for the off season for Burning Man or something. Hey, from Don't live betting. Yeah, to player props. BetMGM has a variety of betting options at your fingertips. Place your first BetMGM sportsbook wager through the BetMGM app of at least five dollars, and you'll receive one hundred and fifty-eight dollars. Instantly in additional winnings, regardless of your wager's outcome. That's right. Once you've placed a $5 bet, you'll receive $158 in bonus bets, regardless of the outcome of the wager. Download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com and use code COUNTDOWN. We've got Rich Hornberger, Penn State All-American, NFL veteran. 
We've got Jared Smith, FSR betting analyst. I am Brian No. Coming up next, Seamus McGee, our main man. He'll break down Super Bowl 58. I know he'll have some college basketball picks. It's probably not going to be any of the top 10 matchups this weekend. It's going to be Colgate. and I already bet Colgate today. They're facing you- Navy. <laughs> the game starts in an hour and a half. That's right. That's right. I already bet Colgate today, guys. No, that, the, the math math's there. That's, that makes sense. That I makes swear sense. to God I did. No doubt. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff. Presented by BetMGM. BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. For example, if you're in the DMV area, no need to worry about making separate accounts for D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. When crossing state borders, simply just log into your existing account instead of creating a new one. Be sure to follow BetMGM across all socials at BetMGM. All right, let's do this. Follow the money. Real good money. Like to welcome in Seamus McGee, team lead of sports trading for BetMGM. Uh, you know, blank canvas for you here. Super Bowl Fifty Eight next Sunday, Seamus. What stands out most to you? Whether it's a prop bet, it's the total, it's a side. What are you thinking as we're a week away? Hey guys, great to be back. Um, you know, uh, this week we've taken. Yeah, you know, we have a bunch of player props up uh, at the moment. Uh, a lot more, a lot more options uh, coming up for this game, and I've seen a lot of sharp money coming in on like a lot of like secondary receivers, players for their first half and first quarter receiving yards. So interesting. I think some people are trying to find an angle there, like uh, Valdez Scantling under four and a half receiving yards in the first quarter. I think was one that <laughs> was starting to get hit earlier in the week. So. Definitely wow. some, uh, some angles people are targeting with these first half and first quarter player props that we're offering. Seamus, is this, and I think the props, right, the game itself, you can make that line in your sleep. The, the props is where 
now and it's it's nothing new right we've been doing it in vegas you know for years but now over the last few years that it's kind of expanded to the national markets right the props already very popular is it harder for you to make the props now because you need to do more or is it easier because you've kind of been doing it all year i think the prop market setting especially for a one game roll of the dice when you're getting so much handle has got to be stressful yeah, it's funny. Like I've been, I've been in the industry for about five years now. Some guys out in the desert have been doing this way longer than me, so they've definitely seen a bigger expansion than I have. But I remember when I started. I mean, it was probably around. We had like about five hundred markets. I think the first Super Bowl I worked. Now we're going way past a thousand. Wow! And it's it's really something else. But you know, the more you do it, the more you get used to it. Like we have all these props loaded, ready to go. Um, yeah, the player props are one thing. It's kind of similar to a normal game. We have our models for those. And, uh, yeah, I'd say it is. You do kind of get used to it. It's, this week is almost almost busier than next week is going to be. Hmm. It's really just getting up this myriad of props. You know, Seamus, uh, sports betting is now legalized in 38 states. You know, this is a question just overall about sports betting and what – maybe the influx of amateur bettors, you know, people who are just sort of drifting by an app or see an ad leading up to Super Bowl 58 or get caught up in the excitement of a friend group chat and then they sign in for a promo and they're off to the races with their BetMGM app. You know, things like that, right? What does that do to the market, though? You know, because you have a flood of newbies coming in, Mm. especially for big games like this. I mean... it, it, what you said before, it's just a lot of a lot more recreational players. Like especially now, where you have like Taylor Swift is now involved in the Super Bowl, <laughs> and you can you can literally bet on this stuff. Like Travis Kelsey, if you win Super Bowl MVP, it's going to be bad for the books. Uh, everyone's piling in. I know in Ontario, that's where we can offer some of you know the more niche props like the halftime markets and the anthem, and so. You can bet on Taylor Swift stuff in Ontario if you have the app up there. It's, uh, you know, all this pop culture going into the Super Bowl, it really brings a lot of, like, new faces to sports betting who probably would have never even thought about placing a bet before. Uh, Seamus, as far as what we saw last week, um, a lot of public bettors, they'll go off of last week, say – Purdy's over-rushing yardage in the Super Bowl, or Debo Samuel had a nice game last week, and the public might be on Debo this week. How much sharp money do you tend to get of the same thinking, right? The sharp seem to go the other way, fade what happened. Like, How much do you get in a spot like this, sharp money saying, yeah, we actually expect Purdy to get to 13 yards rushing or something like that because we just saw it? It's funny you bring up the pretty rushing yards because that has been a pretty popular prop throughout the week. And I've seen action both ways on this, sharp action both ways as well. So it's almost like, you know, there's one side who thinks like, yeah, he is going to scramble for some yards. The other side saying like, no, he usually doesn't do this. So expect a regression to the mean here. Um, but I mean, it's a, it's, we treat it the same as every, any other market we post. We post the market, see what the sharps say, and we move the line. And then, uh, you know, as the week progresses, the line gets massaged more and more to what the consensus line is going to be. 
Seamus, one of the biggest misconceptions about odds makers is that you guys are like these robots in, in a room somewhere. You're betters just like us, and most of you, that's why you're in the business is because you like to bet. So put on your betters hat for a minute. Give some advice to, let's say, a first, or maybe this is your first season betting the NFL. What is your best piece of advice for how to best navigate betting on the Super Bowl? I think the first piece of advice I would say, ask yourself, which team does Patrick Mahomes play for? <laughs> if they do not have Patrick Mahomes, take the other team if they do have Patrick Mahomes. That's, that's great. That's sound advice. <laughs> I feel the exact same way. I, I like to simplify things also as a better to this question I ask myself all the time, and look, I, I don't place nearly as many bets as Jared or Brian, uh, and I don't work in Vegas like you do, Seamus, but I think of it this way. What is the bet that I can place that I can fall asleep at night feeling okay losing? And those are the bets I like to take, which brings me to this. I want you to keep that betting hat on that Jared asked you to put on. So Usher is the musical performer of this year's Super Bowl 58 <laughs> halftime. Will Usher at any point wear sunglasses during his <laughs> musical act, Seamus? We need answers. Uh, it has to be a yes. Has to be. I can't imagine him not wearing sunglasses, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I've done an extensive scouting on the measure. The analytics clearly yeah. point to sunglasses. Favoring yes. It's yeah. favoring yes. yes absolutely <laughs> has to. Okay, the Seamus special today or this weekend, Seamus. Uh, it's funny because I was like, it's a loaded college basketball slate. We got a bunch of top 10 matchups. And I'm like, Seamus might not go there. He might go with Colgate. And immediately, Jared Smith says, I bet Colgate. I already bet you know? Colgate today. <laughs> so that's got to do your well, heart yeah. well. What do you like today? So like you said, it is a loaded slate. We got multiple top 10 games, a lot of ranked matchups. It's some big games in the mid-majors. But, you know, we were all thinking the same thing when we woke up this morning. Is today the day Detroit Mercy wins their yes. first game of the season? <laughs> They're 0-21, Seamus. No, they are not going to win their first game today. <laughs> Robert Morris is going to crush them on the boards, and they're going to cover minus 4.5 on the road. I love it. Okay. Uh, the fade Detroit Mercy yet again. I almost took a job at Detroit Mercy as an SID like 10 years ago. I remember going to the gym and thinking to myself, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Sorry. <laughs> well, hey, Seamus, sorry, Detroit Mercy. Love you guys. Thank you for the time, as always, man. And uh, we'll look forward to chatting with you next week. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. You too. There he is, Seamus McGee, team lead of sports trading at BetMGM. Okay, man. We go from heavy hitter to heavy hitter. We go straight from. This would be like. You think about the 4 by 100 meter dash, <laughs> right? The right. Relay there. Yeah. This would be like Carl Lewis handing the baton to Usain Bolt, kind of, <laughs> right? Like from Sheamus to Ilo. I, I think that's what we have here, Ilo with the latest. Oh, uh, that's uh, one you don't want to drop. That's a baton you do not want to drop. And let me tell you, those Detroit Mercy Titans have not recovered from being snubbed no. by Jared Lee Smith. They really haven't. Some 10 I years ago. I feel bad ago. now. I feel bad. I just threw him under the bus. I hope they're not listening. It Well, hopefully it Detroit. nice campus. Hopefully Detroit will have mercy on you for snubbing them <laughs> a decade ago. Nikola Jokic showed no mercy on Portland last night. 27 points, 22 rebounds, 12 assists for his 15th triple-double of the season in Denver's 120-108 victory. New Orleans, what against San Antonio, 114-113. Zion Williamson, 33 and 
including the game-winning layup with 3.8 to play. Oklahoma City's Shea Gilgis-Alexander scored 31, his ninth consecutive 30-point game in the Thunder's 126-106 win over Charlotte. By the way, he also had nine assists, five steals, and three blocks. The Orlando Magic rallied from a 17-point second-quarter deficit to win at Minnesota, 108-106. Atlanta over Phoenix, 129-120. Trey Young, 32.73 pointers and 15 assists. Finally, the world, including the sports world, continuing to mourn the passing of actor and former NFL linebacker Carl Weathers, who passed away Thursday at the age of 76. Weathers, of course, portrayed Apollo Creed in the Rocky movies, and Rocky himself, Sylvester Stallone, posted this tribute on social media. Carl Weathers was such an integral part of my life, my success, everything about it. When he walked into that room and I saw him for the first time, I saw greatness. His voice, his size, his power, his athletic ability, but more importantly, his heart, his soul. He was magic, and I was so fortunate to be part of his life. So, Apollo, keep punching. Very well said by Sylvester Stallone. Fellas, back to you. Yeah, man, that was a heck of a tribute. Yeah, that really was. Sly, that was really well done, man. And he made those, that movie, too. Oh, those Rocky movies with oh, Apollo Creed so were good. just classics. Yeah. Man. Absolutely. Hey, it's Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Once a day, play BetMGM's free-to-play 8-Bit Barry for a chance to win daily prizes. Play as Hall of Famer Barry Sanders and choose to spin, stiff arm, or juke your way to the end zone to win prizes. If Barry scores a touchdown, you score a reward. It is a loaded slate of college basketball action this weekend. We've got four top ten matchups. We've got three today, one tomorrow, where both teams are ranked in the top ten, and they're playing each other, right? I I guess the simple question is, which one are you most looking forward to? Hmm. I mean, Duke, North Carolina is probably at the top of most people's list. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, man. Houston at Kansas. The way Houston defends and going in to the field house, right? A little fog hell in action. That is going to be a tremendous matchup. I can't wait for that one. I I love this slate. And and also, I bet you the teams who are playing in it love this slate because listen to this stat that I dug up. Teams ranked in the top 10 of the AP Top 25 poll are now 25-30 and 30 this season on the road against unranked opponents. That's a winning percentage of 45.5%, which is twenty almost 28 percentage points lower than the historical percentage at which top 10 teams have traditionally won road games against unranked opponents. It's also 60.5 percentage points lower than the all-time worst winning percentage in a season by top 10 teams in road games against unranked opponents. So if you think about it, it's almost like a respite to play against ranked opponents on the road. Because for these top 10 teams, the parity in college basketball has become so absurd with NIL and transfer portal and, you know, players who are talented going to maybe lower programs just to have more opportunities on the court that it is very difficult to stay on top of the heap if you're a top 25 team. So scheduling, being scheduled against other top 10 teams is exactly the sort of elixir that you want at this point in the season. Yeah, we could talk big picture about it, and the big picture is exactly what Rich said. Top 10 teams and just teams in general 
going on the road in college basketball ain't easy. Nope. And that's why we and Brian, you you occasionally send texts to the group chat when we get one of those unranked home favorites. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we love that. But but here's the thing about these trends and all of these situational angles. If we know about them, the sports books know about them. And I think what I'm seeing this year, not only with top 10 teams, you have to pay the premium if you want to bet a home team in college basketball. The home field, home court advantage has, I think, become a little bit more valuable in college hoops. And it's because a lot of the things that we're talking about, these teams are a little more new in terms of their style, in terms of how they fit together. And it's just easier to play at home when you're an 18 to 22 year old kid going on the road and dealing with that environment can be very, very difficult. How about this? Against the spread, top 10 teams on the road this year, 22 and 38. Ouch. I mean, it is not easy to go on the road and win. The Houston-Kansas game specifically, I know Duke Carolina, I get it. It's Duke Carolina. I'm not going to take away the flowers from that matchup. But the biggest part of the Houston-Kansas game that's intriguing, and this is Houston now in the Big 12, right? Their first season in the Big 12. They're going on the road and facing a lot of these teams. They went on the road. They beat BYU. They went on the road, beat Texas in overtime the other night. Their two losses this year are both on the road in conference play. Iowa State, TCU, no shame there. But how about this? Houston is favored on the road at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. I think that shows you how much respect the Cougars get and deserve in the market. Absolutely. I love the way they defend. Yeah. I think they're the uh, college basketball version of the Baltimore Ravens. You know, (laughs) they are just relentless. And I just can't help but wonder. Are they going to headbutt anybody today? Yeah. Like Kyle Van Noy, is uh, is someone going to do their Zay Flowers by fumbling or turning it over and then like cutting their finger by slamming <laughs> their hands into the bench? Or what? I, I'm, I'm kidding, but I love watching Houston defend. One of my main questions is Duke shoots it so well from three-point range. And when you're on the road and it's a top-10 matchup, How good are you from distance against the North Carolina team that plays great defense collectively, especially guarding the three? Yeah. So how Duke shoots it from outside, I can't wait to see that. And then our guy Dalton Connect, might have to talk about him and prop it up right around the corner. This guy's been on the heater, 25-plus in six straight games. So against Kentucky, who's a lot of fun to watch offensively, but they're the opposite of Houston defensively. They do yeah. not defend like Houston does, not even close. Yeah, you know, and what you said about Kansas and how they guard, you know, or uh, or excuse me, uh, North Carolina and how they guard out by the three-point line against a good three-pointing uh three-point shooting team. It's all about ball movement. You know, you talk to any college basketball coach when it comes to getting open shots from distance, it's making the extra pass, finding the open man, and uh, and and you know if that's if that's the strategy, if that's the way to win, well then you got to find a way to get that extra pass, which means that you got to get the ball down court in a hurry, set up your offense, and uh, and 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 play that way because it's a half court game if you're going to be a team that's winning from distance. Yeah, one game we won't talk about today, um, but is a top ten matchup tomorrow. Purdue, Wisconsin. 
This is another one that, and Wisconsin's coming off of that loss, so they probably won't be in the top 10 come Monday, but tomorrow they'll, they'll, they'll be in the top 10. <laughs> it's but good I, for promoting the game tomorrow. You know, yeah. Graver tomorrow. <laughs> but let's be honest, Wisconsin's still a really good team. They had a big lead on the road, struggling on the road, top 10 teams struggling on the road. Where have we just heard that? But I, I want to call my attention to Purdue because it, they're, they're the road team tomorrow, and they're a little bit different than Purdue in prior years, where I think they maybe are better suited to win it all this year than in prior years. I think Zach Eady really looks different. Like he, he looks like he's slimmed down. He's in shape. So I, I think Purdue is another team tomorrow. Houston today. We'll get some of these top 10 matchups and we'll really start to formulate our opinions as we get into March. Cause man, there's a lot of good teams in college basketball. not a lot of great teams, but a lot of good teams in college basketball this year. Yeah. He's Jared Smith, FSR betting analyst, Rich Ornberger, Penn state all American is with us. I'm Brian No. Coming up next, prop bets galore. You could go Super Bowl Sunday. You could go college basketball. You could go crazy and get your NBA action. Oh, on. boy. Maybe a competitive darts. You know, we haven't had that in prop it up just yet. But uh, uh, maybe. Maybe someone's got a curveball. Not ball. today. Sorry, guys. Maybe usher <laughs> sunglasses. I don't know. <laughs> That's all on the way. Coming up, it is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Be sure to check out the new look and features in the BetMGM app. It's fast and easy access to the sports you love, whether it's teasers, live betting, the Daily Lions Boost, or the Cash Out feature. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through the BetMGM app of at least $5, and you'll receive $158 instantly in additional winnings, regardless of your wager's outcome. That's right. Once you've placed a $5 bet, you'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of the wager. Download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com and use code COUNTDOWN. All right, let's do this. Prop it up. Let's go play. Player plays. Ah, yes. The prop bet market. We will start with you, Jared Smith. What is something that you are feasting your eyes on here? Well, my first piece of advice is if you like anything Travis Kelsey related, bet it now. Like you should have bet it yesterday or right when the props open because that market is obviously going to be a very popular market. Anything over related. If you like the overs, probably bet them early. If you like the unders, wait, because on average, the public does tend to like the overs. In terms of specific plays for this game, I I will give you one that I really, really like, and it's more of a general play. I like the under in the sacks for the game, the total sacks in the game. I like under four and a half. And the reason is, these are two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Just like last year. Remember, my big handicap last year was, oh, this Eagles pass rush, all these sacks. Yeah, you still got to sack the quarterback. And it's not easy to sack Patrick Mahomes. Same thing with Brock Purdy. Second and third, respectively, in pressure to sack rate, which means they're the best in the NFL at absorbing that pressure, not taking the sack. The Niners are kind of an average sack team. The Chiefs are above average. But I think the game scripts and the fact that these quarterbacks elite at avoiding sacks under four and a half sacks in the game, I think he's a fantastic wager for this one. 
Yeah, okay. I'm going to jump in here and talk specifically about things that we've seen over the season or in recent memory. Like, for example, how many yards on the ground the San Francisco 49ers gave up to the Detroit Lions in the NFC Championship game with Isaiah Pacheco rushing the ball the way he was against the Baltimore Ravens, especially in the first half. I like the over on his rushing yardage total at 67 and a half. And then Brock Purdy, look, he's been lauded or detracted as a game manager throughout the past three weeks. Let me give you a stat, though. Purdy's turnover-worthy throw rate, which is the amount of interceptions dropped by dropped by opponents, mm. it is compared to his touchdown rate 3.5%, which is 24th out of 32 qualified quarterbacks. So I think he throws a pick in this game. Yeah. So I'm going to go over the half interception on Brock Purdy. Okay. You know, I'm going to go college hoops on you here. Oh, wow. I'm going like Dalton it. Connect. I'm going over 24 and a half. Okay. The Tennessee right. player is just on a heater over here. Here's the thing, man. He shoots a lot. He's had 20 field goal attempts in each of the past five games. And in four of them, he's made double digit field goals right and all three all four of those he scored 30 plus points so he shoots it a lot he makes it a lot <laughs> so i'm gonna take over 24 and a half against kentucky today all right coming up next the qb showdown oh what's going on everybody happy saturday to you super bowl 58 a little more than a week away and we've got our eye on it we definitely have our eye on super bowl 58 and the QB matchup here, Patrick Mahomes, as decorated as it can get this early in his career, right? His third trip to the Super Bowl, he's been a starter for six seasons. Been in the AFC Championship game every single season, which is insane. And these playoff numbers, guys, they keep getting more and more ridiculous. So consider this, Mahomes, it's a full season's worth of postseason games now, right? He's got 17 of them. His record is 14-3. and three. Just pause and think about that for a second. If you look at the 2023 regular season, there was only one team that got to 13 wins. That was the Baltimore Ravens. And eight of their games were against non-playoff teams. Right? So think about it. Ravens got to 13-4, and four, eight games against non-playoff teams. Mahomes in his career is 14-3, and three, in the postseason, obviously playing nothing but playoff teams, it's extraordinary. And you look at the quarterbacks that he's lost to, it's Joe Burrow and Tom Brady. That That's the list. Wow. That's the list who he's lost to in the postseason. Not so, a bad list. Right. We know it's the ultimate team game. It's not just about who's at quarterback. Tom Brady's better than Eli Manning. But when you look at that and what it takes to beat Mahomes in the Super Bowl. It is not going to be an easy task for the 49ers, but it absolutely can be done. One other thing real fast that stands out to me, as good as Mahomes was last week against the Ravens, number one defense and all of that, as good as his numbers were, his career playoff passer rating dropped slightly. Right? Think <laughs> how good he was against the Ravens. His career numbers dropped just a little bit. He's a bum. Bench yeah. him. It just shows you how great he's been uh, collectively where his passer rating is still 106.3 in the playoffs. Mm. It's extraordinary.
You know, when I look at these two quarterbacks, one of them has the it factor and the other one at times has the ick factor. <laughs> and I like it, yeah. I hate to say it's this. might be the best thing you've ever said on this air. Yeah, I hate to say this about Brock Purdy, but there are times where he gives me the ick. He gives me that feeling where I'm like, I, you know, I just don't, I just don't see it. And then there's other, there are other times where he's brilliant, where he throws the football and it's like the football has eyes and it's just as good as Tom Brady ever did. It's just as good as Patrick Mahomes ever did it or Aaron Rodgers or any of the greats, right? Because you can, you can see that he understands where the ball needs to be and he has the talent to get it there. But it's not as consistent as a guy like Patrick Mahomes. You know, in fact, you know, you start thinking about some of the things that we've seen this postseason in the second half or when trailing and Purdy's numbers in the postseason, they tell a completely different story than who this guy was in the regular season. In the regular season, when he was tied with the team or trailing in the second half, their record is one and four. He's had a 57 completion percentage. Uh, he's thrown two interceptions to six, excuse me, two touchdowns to six interceptions. Not good. Now, those numbers have obviously boosted in the postseason because when tied or trailing in the second half, he's 2-0 and now, 66% completion percentage, one touchdown to zero interceptions. So he's turned it on in the postseason and so maybe the big lights of the postseason, it doesn't dwarf his ability to handle the moment. We'll see. Uh, I, you know, I still, I still say that because he hasn't even played two full seasons yet. We've only seen him in the postseason twice, and one of them, he had this great excuse in the NFC Championship game, and I'm sure he would want to finish the game, so it's barely fair calling it an excuse, but his elbow exploded four plays or four throws into the NFC Championship game a season ago. So we have such a limited sample size on Brock Purdy that it is hard to tell who he is yet, but I know who Patrick Mahomes is. Because as you mentioned and laid out perfectly, six straight AFC championship games, four Super Bowl appearances, two wins already, looking for his third. This guy is sensational. He has the it factor. He's great under pressure. It doesn't matter if they're leading or trailing. He finds a way to finish games. In terms of the matchup, if we're looking at quarterback alone, Mahomes has the nod for me. Yeah, of course. If you're just basing it off of skill set, you know, I think it's obvious who has the edge here. I, I will give Brock a lot of credit. I thought the NFC title game was the best game of his career. And, you know, not just the passing, 31 out of 36. I mean, excuse me, 21 out of 30, which or 20 out of 31, excuse me, um, which isn't great. But the rushing is what was great. That is where I kind of separate him because I didn't think he had the ability to make plays with his legs, extend plays. And he did. And I'm not saying that's the type of quarterback he is. But in a pressure spot, he made all the throws that needed to be made, didn't make any mistakes, even made a few plays with his legs, and that's great. I think the interesting dynamic in this game, right, this is a betting show at its core. Everything is price dependent. So, yeah, if all things are equal, Mahomes is a better quarterback than Brock Purdy. He should be the MVP of the game if the Chiefs win. The things that's interesting for the Niners, though, You can make a lot of cases about MVP if the Niners win this game. But the thing that is intriguing to me from a historical standpoint, from a betting standpoint in this game, 
the quarterback that is favored in the game typically is the MVP favorite. Well, that's not the case here. The favorite in the game is the Niners by almost a field goal. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is the MVP favorite. So as great as Mahomes is, and the greatness is unquestioned, if he wins the MVP again this year, I mean, I, I don't know. that, that the, the, the tier, he starts to get into Brady's tier. You know, still has a little ways to go, but kind of getting there. But in terms of a wager to make, I think Brock Purdy is undervalued with the MVP in this game. I mean, the Niners are favored in the game, and he is not the favorite to win the MVP. So while the Mahomes stuff is great, he's going to be a very popular pick to win the MVP. I think we might be getting a little bit of a discount on Mr. Irrelevant just because San Francisco's favored, and the quarterback of the favorite usually gets a little more respect in the market. You could be right. I just look at (laughs) Kyle Shanahan is not going to be stupid like Todd Munkin. That, that's the first thing, right? Like, the Ravens were just had amnesia. Like, oh, they forgot they were the number one rushing team in the NFL. Like, Kyle Shanahan is going to run the football against the Chiefs, right? That's just the matchup that favors them. And so, Purdy throwing it against the Chiefs defense, I'm not saying he can't. It's just, it's not, it's not the weakness of the Chiefs defense. It's the rush defense has been the problem throughout the season, so... Going up against a Niners strength running the ball, I expect Christian McCaffrey to have a really good game. So that that might take away some of the the, the possibility of Purdy winning MVP. But I hear you, Jared. Like, listen, if we could be completely fair, there's been so much emotion when it comes to Brock Purdy. Oh yeah. Like, if you just look at him in the playoffs, it has been a mixed bag. It's been good at times. It's been bad at times. And you could. Look at both, but that's what it's been. Against the Packers, it was, well, he struggled with the little mist out there. You know, he had a hard time gripping the football. He had some bad decisions. He had some overthrows. He was not crisp, but when it was winning time, he put together a huge drive, six for seven. He was clutch when he needed to be. Then against the Lions, first half wasn't good. His passer rating was 39 at halftime. Had an interception in the first half. But then in the second half, he made some big plays with his legs. He got a little bit of luck with the ball that bounced off a, a Niner of a, a Lions DB into Ayuk's hands. Like you know, it it's been a mixed bag, and he's come up big in the big moments. But he's also at the same time left something to be desired. I just look at Purdy and I say, my big beef the whole time is my hunch is that he's a less good looking Jimmy G. Right, like Jimmy G put up numbers. He won a lot of games, and then when he was on this same stage against the Chiefs, and he had an open Emmanuel Sanders, he overthrew him, and he didn't make the big play. And that's where I wonder what will happen if Brock Purdy is in that same situation, and we'll get our answer if that's the case on Sunday. But that's the truth. It's been a mixed bag as far as Brock Purdy's his performances in the postseason. And one other thing to throw in there, it is a huge advantage for the Niners that he's on a rookie deal and he's supported by a who's who supporting cast. But you think about this with Brock Purdy, his base salary this season is $870,000. That, that's basically like $1.95 comparatively speaking with the top quarterbacks. Look at what Mahomes makes. And this is probably the biggest compliment you could pay Mahomes it's such an advantage when your quarterback is on a rookie contract. But you look at last postseason, who did Mahomes go through? 
Trevor Lawrence, rookie deal at the time. Joe Burrow, rookie deal at the time. Jalen Hurts, rookie deal at the time. The Chiefs beat all of those teams en route to winning a Super Bowl. And so you look at Purdy on a rookie deal, huge advantage for the Niners, but Mahomes has proven that he can beat quarterbacks and teams in that same situation. So that's pretty interesting in my mind also. Yeah, I, I look at the Brock Purdy debate and I think and I think that it is way overblown to say that Brock Purdy is more than a game manager because we don't know. And it's also way overblown to call him a game manager because we don't know. It, 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 like, it's just so early. It, the reason why it's so easy to see and we have such clarity when we're talking about Patrick Mahomes is because we've seen him in a variety of circumstances, not just on the playing field, but just what you described, Brian. The fact that he's won on a rookie contract and now he's won after the big deal. He's won with good quality offensive superstars around him. And Tyree Kill gets traded and they win a Super Bowl that year. You know, it, and don't get me wrong, that, I'm not throwing shade at Travis Kelsey. Obviously, he's a Hall of Fame tight end and arguably the best to ever play the game. But he's suffered some, and, and the team has suffered some sacrifices to make way for a large contract for Mahomes. And he's, he's in turn given them what they were hoping was that he would the talent that he has will balance out the sacrifice in payroll that they've made to keep him on that roster. Mm. Is Brock Purdy that quarterback? Mm. I mean, right now, if you squint and you look into the future and he gets paid a half a billion dollars, uh, can the San Francisco 49ers win with Brock Purdy? No shot. I mean, no. that like that's 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 my problem with this debate. It's like I know it's too early to have it, but for those who are so ardently defending Brock Purdy as something, something even nearing the elite level that you know, when we discuss elite, we're talking about players like from the past because we know their careers are over, or almost over. You know, the Tom Brady's of the world, or the Patrick Mahomes, obviously, or the Drew Breeses, or the 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 uh, uh, the Peyton Mannings. Like, like we we know we we we've we know what that looks like. I mean, are we? Are we putting him in that conversation? Look, is is he off to a great start with his career? Yeah, there's no question about it. But getting so far over our skis and acting like, pretending like, this team wouldn't be better with Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Joe right. Burrow, yeah. Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts. I mean, the list is about 12 deep. Maybe 50 Dak Prescott. Before yeah. I get to Brock Purdy's name... I mean, it's not – I'm not saying it – I'm not bringing it up to condemn him because, like I said, he's off to a great start. But he's not those guys yet, so let's stop pretending. Well, that's the difference in this conversation. Everyone thinks that because we are not complimenting someone, we're putting them down. Mm -hmm. It's okay to just say Purdy's not as good as Mahomes. Like, that's not a diss to Purdy. <laughs> he's not as good as Josh Allen. That's not a diss to Purdy. There's – one or two or three guys on the whole planet that are as good as those guys in the NFL. And I think when you look at what Brock, like I, I love Brock. I think Brock is the perfect quarterback for the system that he is running. He did lead the league in QBR this year. Like he, he had some really nice statistics in his corner, but when you watch him play and then you watch Mahomes play and I go back to the game, like it was like the perfect, like back and forth 
the Packers-Niners game followed by the Bills-Chiefs game. Like, when you watch the quarterbacks of those teams play, and then you watch the Bills-Chiefs game, it is a different level of quarterbacking. And it doesn't make what Jordan Love and Brock Purdy doing wrong. They're not doing anything bad, but... You can't be like there's only one guy that can be the best. And it's it's not a diss to other people when we're saying you're not as good as this person. It's just these are the facts. It kind of actually reminds me of the Harbaugh situation from earlier in the show, right? Like just because we're saying JJ McCarthy's not as gonna be drafted as high as Caleb Williams doesn't make make JJ McCarthy bad. It just he's a different quarterback. He's not the typical prospect that you would want to be a number one pick. Patrick Mahomes in hindsight, he should have been the number one pick in that draft, right? But now that we can watch his career blossom, it has turned into something that is hard to put into words, guys. I, I ask former players, analysts every week, quantify, how do we explain what we're seeing with Patrick Holmes? It is inexplicable. He is that good. So to not compare Brock Purdy to that, it's okay. He's yeah. going to have a good career. No, it reminds me of Jimmy G a lot because... They weren't quite at the Purdy police level. Sure. Where the Purdy police, I like Purdy they, more than Jimmy G, though. Do look, you, man, you, they, those people you like Jimmy come, G more? Those people come after your jugular if they you do. say anything slightly critical of Purdy. But there were Jimmy G police out there as well. Where the, this guy just wins. And look at this. And look at his numbers. And look. If you look at Jimmy G, just to throw it out there and compare it to Purdy. Okay, so in 2022... With the Niners, Jimmy G, 16 touchdown passes, four interceptions before he got hurt. He had a passer rating of 103. This past season with the Raiders, seven touchdown passes, nine interceptions. His passer rating is under 78. He was benched for Aiden O'Connell, a rookie. Okay? Like, if you don't think the supporting cast has a lot to do... With the success of Jimmy G with the Niners, Brock Purdy with the Niners, you're just not being objective. And I don't know why there's such monstrous pushback if you say that as if you're taking all credit away from Purdy and you're saying he's a complete bum. People are sensitive. No one with eyes <laughs> are saying that, right? But you're right. People are very sensitive and they overreact. And that's why so many of these conversations turn dumb so fast. Where it's like, I don't think anybody who says something critical of Purdy takes away every single shred of credit and props for the guy. I, I don't think those people are out there. It's an but awesome story, frankly. It is. The guy's... Elbow was jacked up last year. He's the last pick of the draft. He leads the league in passer rating. He's put up MVP-worthy numbers. It's a tremendous story. It is. I I don't know why you can't say something that's halfway critical of him, and you're painted into this corner as if you're the biggest hater out there. It's stupid. The last thing I'll say about Brock Purdy, the San Francisco 49ers are an Instagram filter. It doesn't matter <laughs> there which you go. I quarterback. Like that. That yeah. is so good. It doesn't yeah. matter which quarterback played in this system. That's they would so look good. way better than they wow. did before going through that filter. If you put Kirk Cousins in San Francisco this year, 100%. they're going to the Super Bowl. If you put Geno Smith in the San Francisco uh, system this year, they're going to the Super Bowl. Brock Purdy is off to a great start with his career. But we're looking at him through the Instagram filter of the San Francisco 49ers. That was an elite 
an elite metaphor, my friend. Thank you. And it's it's more PC. I go I push up it. bra. You know, nice <laughs> yeah, that's way more PC than that. Push up bra for the quarterback. I, I like the Instagram filter. I might have Instagram to filter. I think a, li- a little more. The kids will the kids will enjoy that one more. I'm You're right. I, I'm that. trying to be hip. I'm trying to be yeah, hip right. to the kids. <laughs> We've got Rich Ornberger, Penn State All American, Jared Smith, FSR betting analyst. I'm Brian No. Coming up next, I realized something about analytics this week that I'd like to share with you guys. I think it makes sense. You'll have to be the judge. That's around the corner. It's Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. I was doing some thinking this week about analytics. After Dan 1-800-GAMBLER-CAMBLE <laughs> came up snake eyes by going for it twice on fourth down so when they were in field goal range. about that. Oh, like Peter Griffin, man. like, yeah. you have 20, Peter. Hit me. <laughs> hit me. 21, hit me. Hit me. <laughs> you have 30, hit me. Yeah. Love it. But I, I read a few articles about analytics, and one stood out to me. It was uh, on The Athletic, and it was talking about the worst decisions analytically in the playoffs. And one of the quote-unquote worst decisions was another game with Dan Campbell where he didn't go for it, okay? So this was the Lions hosting the Rams. It was fourth and four. Lions have the ball at their own 31-yard line. They have a one-point lead, about seven minutes to go in the game, okay? They elected to punt. Jack Fox punted it 60 yards down to the Rams' nine-yard line. The win probability by deciding to punt and not go for it at your own 31 at, when it's fourth and four, minus 4.5%. That's what analytics said. It was like you should have gone for it on fourth and four from your 31 with the lead midway through the fourth quarter. And it's like, what are we doing at this point? And this is the realization I came to. Numbers don't feel but people do. It's really that simple. Numbers are emotionless. It is just raw data 
The raw data says if you go for it here on fourth and four, even at your own 31, you're going to win X percent of the time. If you punt it, you're going to win X percent of the time. The advantage is punting it. Those are just raw numbers. But it's not going to feel that way if you go for it, don't get it. Does it feel like you have a 4.5% better chance to win the game? Your players don't feel that. The crowd doesn't feel that. Like, emotion, momentum, it matters in sports, in football. And that's where I'm not against all things analytics, but that's where I think we miss it, is we're just looking at the percentages, the numbers. That's why feel matters. Because it can't just be raw numbers. The situation and the worst-case scenario, if you gamble and don't get it, it has to factor into your judgment when you decide whether to go for it or punt it. And so I just wouldn't be so beholden to the numbers as if there's nothing else to consider but the numbers. I don't look at it like that at all. So I have kids, and I know one day my kids are going to be drivers. And if you look at motor vehicle death rate and you're a parent thinking about giving your kids keys to a car it sounds like a proposition you would never be interested in Mm. right so i think this is back in 2021 it was 14.3 people per 100,000 die in a motor wreck and you think about that and you're just like really i mean uh, 14 out of 100,000 people will die in a car crash. There's no way I'm going to give my keys to my kids. To my kids. I, I mean, it just doesn't make... But then you start to take out the vacuum that numbers exist in, and you say, well, how many of those drivers were drunk? You know, how many of those people were bad drivers? How, many, how old were those drivers? And what level of experience did they have? How did these accidents occur? You take away all nuance when you just discuss numbers when we're just using analytics to make decisions for us because guess what sometimes analytics could be faulty sometimes and this happens somebody misrepresents numbers and it gets baked into an algorithm and the outcomes are so far down the line that you don't even remember or can't even go back and adjust for the the accidental misnumbering of something you know i i I mean miles ago so so all of a sudden you have this outcome where it says, no, well, you got to go for it here. And it's like, well, why? Well, the, the answer could be because we screwed up the math. Like, that's why. <laughs> also, it, it omits, when we're talking about just using analytics for decision making, it omits all of the intangible variables that go into determining these outcomes. Like, how smart is it as a coach in terms of your reputation or the point in the game you're at to go for this fourth down, right? Because you have to talk about the feeling of the locker room too. If I lose this game because I make the decision for us to go for it on this fourth down, do I lose the locker room? Do I lose trust in my players for making too reckless of a decision? So it removes emotion from the situation. And numbers don't account for momentum. When you're in a battle – Nobody is sitting there quantifying odds. What you're doing is you are seething and you're foaming out the mouth and you're waiting for your next opportunity as an offensive lineman to pop someone or a defensive lineman to get after the quarterback. The numbers don't account for any of that. And so I I get it. You can look at life in a vacuum and you could say, well, 14 out of every 100,000 people behind the wheel will die, uh, so I'm never going to let my kids drive. Or 
You could be a good teacher. You could teach your kids the rules of the road. You can make sure that they understand the value of their life and to never jeopardize it by drinking and driving. You could talk to them about how if you are you feel unsafe in a vehicle with somebody who's driving you around, that you're always going to be there available to bail them out of that situation or get them an Uber car or find another way to get them home safely as opposed to making a poor decision that makes them become one of those numbers. And I think so many of us fall victim to numbers when we're having these debates about analytics and football and we're not thinking about the bigger picture and adding context and nuance the numbers can can strangle you sometimes um and people don't understand them and that's why you see a lot of pushback off of it and i I get it guys i'm not trying to sit up here and say that you know the numbers are always right you should always listen to them here's how i would handle it if i was an owner or a gm Here is how I would structure my team to get the most out of analytics. Let's say I have a coach like Dan Campbell who's not the most keen on analytics. I would have a group, team, whatever, just like the offensive coordinator with his little group of people. They sit up in the booth and they call the plays. I would have a group of of mathematicians up in the booth. And when one of these scenarios arrives, I would get in the ear of the coach and say, you have to go for it here. I'll tell you why later. (laughs) Or, or, coach, this one's 50-50. Use your gut. This one's not quite definitive on either side. It's a toss-up. Use your best judgment. But in the obvious scenarios, you remove the coach and the emotion from the equation. You have an analytics guy in the booth that says, coach, I don't care what you're feeling. You have to kick this or you have to go for this. Or coach, you know what? This one's kind of on the fence. Use your best judgment. That's it. And I think that's easy because it removes the decision from the field, which as Rich said, can be very emotional, can be very heated, takes the decision to a sterile booth with nerds crunching numbers. (laughs) And then you have one nerd that's the voice of the nerds, and he echoes down to the coach, Coach, you have to go for this. Or, Coach, this is a toss-up. Whatever you want, bud. That's how I would handle it if I was an owner or a GM, constructing a way to get the most out of what the numbers are trying to tell me. I'm going to give you a random figure skating comparison. Love it. Love figure skating. You know? You're a big figure skate. No, fan but there? it's it's the most rigged sport, so it always makes me laugh. <laughs> when it's hands down. Any sport where there's a judge deciding if you yeah. did well or not, it's rigged, guys. Okay. Come on. All right. Fair I enough. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, I'll give you that to you around the corner. Maybe a, a big figure skating fan. I'm not sure. Isaac Lowenkron with the latest. Do you like figure skating, Ilo? <laughs> I did when it was uh, Nancy and Tanya, I'll tell you that. <laughs> you need Settle to down, Isaac. Involved in there. You got a whole show to do. Now, that was some drama. <laughs> did you Thank- see the movie? Oh, did my gosh. Didn't Margot Robbie portray yeah, Tanya Harding? She's great. I, right. I, great job. Did not see the movie. You know, lived through it. But, man, you want to talk about monster ratings? Like, that got astronomical NFL ratings. No question. So that'll be a, a goal of the Super Bowl, obviously, coming up uh, some eight days from now. So from the NFL and figure skating, we go to the NBA, where on Friday night, Nikola Jokic of Denver had 27 points, 22 rebounds, and 12 assists for his 15th triple-double of the season in their 120-108 to victory over the Portland Trailblazers. Zion Williamson of New Orleans hit the game-winning layup with 3.8 
8 to play, finished with 33 points in the Pelicans' 114-113 victory at San Antonio. OKC's Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 31 points in their 126-106 win over Charlotte. Gilgis-Alexander's ninth consecutive 30-point game. He also had nine assists, five steals, and three blocks. The Orlando Magic rallied from a 17-point second-quarter deficit to win at Minnesota, 108-106. Trey Young, 32 points, 7 three-pointers, 15 assists in Atlanta's 129-120 victory over the Phoenix Suns. And the Sacramento Kings won at Indiana, 133-122, as DeMontis Sabonis had 26 points and 12 rebounds for his 30th consecutive double-double to break Oscar Robertson's franchise record in college hoops coming up at the top of the hour from madison square garden number one yukon will take on saint john's that's what's going on in college basketball at the top of the hour uh by the way coming up uh Today, later today at 8.30 Eastern, it'll be the Knicks hosting the Lakers at Madison Square Garden. So uh, a nice Madison Square Garden doubleheader to look forward to in basketball. Back to you guys. Thanks, Ilo. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Shortly after the show, our podcast will be going up. If you missed anything on today's show, be sure to check it out. Just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to also follow, rate, and review it. Again, that's just Fox Sports Radio, wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll see the show posted right after we get off the air. So I saw this random story during the week. We go back to the 2022 Olympics. So there was a Russian figure skater, Valieva. Remember her? She was amazing. Well, she was retroactively disqualified for violating anti-doping rules. Why is it always a Russian figure skater? It's always. You know, it's... that's how they get down sometimes. I know. So nine members of Team USA will receive gold medals. And I just thought about that. I'm like, okay, those are the numbers, right? That's kind of like analytics. You win gold, Team USA. Does it feel like it? <laughs> right. Right? Does it feel the same? Or you don't get the national anthem and you're on the podium? and It just doesn't feel the same. And that's how I think of analytics. When Dan Campbell... Decided to go for it the first time in the third quarter. Fourth and two. They didn't get it. The numbers say that was the better way to go. Your chances of winning were better by going for it than for than when you kicked the field goal. Did it feel like that? Did it feel like I thought the crowd got into it? I thought it gave the Niners some juice. juice. I just thought it was too big of a gamble in that moment. And you can sit here and say, Josh Reynolds should have caught the ball. You're right. They should have converted but they still would have to score a touchdown for it to really pay off. And so when you're up by 14, you have a chance to go up by 17, make it a three-score game. I thought it was too big of a gamble. It'd be like, you hear this all the time in gambling, bankroll management. Oh, yeah. If I said, you know what, Jared, I like your pick on Colgate. I'm going to risk half of my bankroll on the Raiders today. Hmm. It might work out. It could work out. But it's overly aggressive, and it's way too big of a gamble. You're putting yourself at too much of a risk exposure. by doing that. Yeah. yeah, it's too much exposure right there. Totally and I thought agree. that first one with Dan Campbell going for it on fourth down in the third quarter, it was too much exposure. I and- I love that comparison. I, I, I really do. Like the, Now, I'm not saying those gold medals are empty, and I, I'm sure many of those figure skaters who are going to be 
I'm sure, sent those gold medals in the mail. Gonna, you know what I mean? They're going to arrive in a post box. They're going to unwrap it. You know, that's that's great, but it's still going to feel like a second place gold. Yeah. And and it, the celebration, if they would have won it in that moment, fresh off the ice, still sweating from their routines, and they're on the podium, yeah, that feels good. But it doesn't feel good getting a post box. I mean, some of these figure skaters, maybe. I'm, I, they probably all are aware now. But maybe they're going to get this box and be like, what the hell is this? What, what is this gold medal for? You know, I mean, that's – so – I completely agree with your point. When you remove all context and you just talk about a number or a moment in a vacuum, you are missing the point. And that's kind of the reason why I was talking about the emotion of the game. You know, you got to read the room a little bit, too. You know, you got to read the room. You got to make sure that your team, your players are on board with you making the decisions you're making. Because even if the numbers say or suggest that you have a better chance of winning the football game if you go for it in certain fourth down conversion decisions, as opposed to punting it, as opposed to kicking the field goal and taking the points. You better be sure that the locker room believes that and that they don't feel like you're being reckless with their lives because you're risking body and limb to go win a championship and you lose it. And when you start drawing lines of exactly where we lost this football game, if the head coach is in charge of the decisions that made you lose that game, you better you better be sure your players have your back. Now, it sounds like Dan Campbell does. I yeah. mean, every player in that locker room 100% supported the decision. I heard zero dissension. But Brandon Staley lost his job for multiple reasons. But one of them was because he was too much of a gambler and he came up on the wrong side of those bets too often on fourth down. You don't want to get to that side of, of this number crunching. You never do. Yeah, I, I think... Analytics was put in place to explain things and also project forward, which is really hard to do. We live in an imperfect society. Numbers are created in a vacuum. And then when the actual, you know, the hypothetical, like numbers are all hypothetical. These are all hypothetical situations. And then it plays out and then the numbers change and then you have to recalibrate. It, it's it's hard. And I, I understand why there's a lot of dissension about it. I, I heard someone say like, oh, you know, analytics was created so the people who couldn't be involved in football can have jobs. Mm. And like that, that, that's no. just not, that's right. just not the right approach. Probabilities exist. That's why the casinos here in Vegas are so bright and shiny. Right. They make a living off of numbers and probabilities. And I think that can be translated to the NFL, but we're just in this kind of in-between right. period. 10, 15 years ago, this didn't exist. Now it exists, and we have to learn how to kind of form a new game. Like coaches right. are yeah. creatures of habit, and it's hard to get them to change their ways. All right, we've got Rich Ornberger, Penn State All-American, Jared Smith with us, FSR betting analyst. I'm Brian No. Coming up next, what a week it was for Rich 3-0. and Will he wow. run it back this week? It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Props to the crew. Bo Benson, our trusted producer. Chris Perfett, technical producer. Licking his lion's wounds right now. My goodness. But still, made it to the NFC title game. Heck of a season. Isaac Lowenkron, crushing updates, crushing life. Top of the hour, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada. Up on game. They'll have you covered from coast to coast. 
We've got picks to make. Let's dive on in. Rapid fire. Okay, Jared Smith, what are you thinking for Super Bowl 58? Yep, all props. I'll give you my score, final score, and MVP and all that stuff next week. But we'll stick to some props for the big game uh, in this week's edition of Rapid Fire. I already told you under four and a half sacks. This is probably my favorite prop bet, my favorite betting angle of the Super Bowl just because of the two quarterbacks, Purdy and Mahomes, two and three, and pressure to sack rate. And I think as good as these defenses are, eh, and Mahomes especially is really good at avoiding sacks. So under four and a half sacks in the game. How about this prop? Will the game be tied after 0-0? I bet yes on this prop every single year. It won last year. It is a historically winning prop, one that I think will rise with the odds because the pros tend to bet it. And another one that is very popular amongst pros that I bet every single Super Bowl, under one and a half yards for the shortest touchdown. This is hit in 21 of the last 30 Super Bowls. One of my favorite plays, basically betting yes, there will be a one-yard touchdown in the game. All right, moving on to my Super Bowl player props. I'm going to stay only on players this entire go-around, and then we'll talk about the whole game quarters and halves coming up next week in terms of the total and the spread. Isaiah Pacheco over 67 and a half rushing yards. I mean, the 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 Lions ran all over the San Francisco 49ers. I like that one. Patrick Mahomes under a half an interception, so that means no interceptions for the Chiefs. And then Debo Samuel over seven and a half first half rushing yards. He had three Ooh. carries last game. I like this prop for this game. Nice. Ooh, that is an interesting angle. I'm going to go Debo under 56 and a half receiving yards. I think the Niners throw it a lot. Chiefs pass defense is stingy. I'm going to take the Chiefs plus two. I'm going to take the under for the game, under 47 and a half. Uh, maybe look at the second half under as well with these Chiefs games. Man, not, not a whole lot of scoring in the second half, but we'll get even near deeper in prop bets <laughs> next week. <laughs> but enjoy sure. all the college hoops and the action this week. We'll see you. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael dura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.